Hi, podcast listeners. This is your host, Jenna Pecor, and I'm so excited to bring you our episode for today. If you are a first-time listener or a listener who has been with me since day one and you love what I'm doing, I want to encourage you to support the podcast by giving a small donation. I love bringing you new faces and interviews, but it does take time and resources to do it. And any support you'd be willing to give goes towards website upkeep, travel, time and costs and would help me greatly to keep doing what I'm doing. Give your support by going to paypal.me backslash faces of Grand Prairie. Today my guest is the very entertaining and interesting Rick Harold. Rick is the retired director of the Grand Prairie Parks and Recreation Department and has been instrumental in creating facilities like the Epic, Epic Waters, and the Summit and events around town like Prairie Lights. He talks with us about graduating from North Texas and his career in parks and recreation. He also gives us some very inspirational lessons that he's learned in Act 1 of his life that he's taking with him into Act 2. Join me and my co-host for the day, David Picor, in this delightful interview with Mr. Rick Harold. So hello podcast listeners, today I'm in a very special building with a very special man. We are recording at the Summit, at the Theater in the Summit, and I'm here with Mr. Rick Harold. Hi Rick, how are you? Hi, glad to be with you today. Oh, I'm so glad you agreed to do this. And I actually do have a special guest host. It's my dad, David Pecor, and uh, my dad and uh, Rick, actually, my, my dad served on the Parks Board when you were the director of the Park Board, and so I thought it would be a good, you'd be a good person to come help me to talk to him. I won't tell all the secrets. <laughs> <laughs> please, please. <laughs> but you are uh, the retired director of the Grand Prairie Parks and Recreation uh, Department. Yes, ma'am. Yes, and how long have you been, been retired now? Uh, a little over a year. Wow. And you've uh, January, uh, uh, January 4th of last year. Wow, wow. Yeah, and you're, you're, you haven't been just sitting at home doing nothing. <laughs> I traveled for the first five months and uh, had a great time down in the Florida Keys and played wow. Jimmy Buffett for a while and went on a couple of cruises, and, uh, but was glad to be back home. Well, so. You are? Yes. It's nice well, to travel, but always nice to come back. <laughs> I'm waiting for Act Two. You know, the first yeah. the first uh, years, 35 years at Parks and Rec was Act One, so now I still think there's an Act Two ahead. Hey, so. yeah, always, always. So you were with Grand Prairie Parks and Rec for how many years? 16 and a half years in Grand Prairie. Gotcha. And then before that, where were you at? I was in Eulis for 16 years. And you were there with someone else, Yes, correct? Uh, it, yes. Uh, it's a funny story with uh, Tom Hart, the city manager uh-huh. in Grand Prairie now. So uh, he was already in Ulysses when he hired me to come to Ulysses, and and then he came here a couple years before I did. Okay, and how long were y'all in Ulysses? Uh, I was in Ulysses sixteen, and Tom was he was probably close to sixteen. We just didn't overlap the entire time. I see. So the majority of your life you've spent as a parks and recreation director. Yes, and then I started my career in the colony. Oh, okay. Uh, with a city manager named Tom Hart. So uh, <laughs> it, it, it's a funny story. So we go, oh, wow. we really go back 40 years together. Wow. Uh, from knowing him. So. Oh, that's awesome. We were just in the colony the other weekend. It's crazy up there. Yeah, we had nothing. When I was in <laughs> yeah. the colony, we had nothing. Uh, but that, and I said that a little bit at my, at uh, when I uh, retired, but that really set the stage for a lot of my belief system in the profession 
uh, during that time uh, in the colony. In what way do you mean? Well, we had, it's very easy. What, what happened in the colony was it was a growing town. Fox and Jacobs, the builder, really, that was their yes. community. Mm -hmm. And that's all there was. So there was one grocery store, one convenience store, uh, no schools. It was in part, it's part of the Louisville Independent School mm -hmm. District. And uh, so they wanted a summer, just a rec program for the summer. So you sit there and say, well, you have no parks, you have no facilities. So started thinking around and we said, what do we do? Well, you know what? There's some people in this town who have swimming pools. So we actually made contracts with those people and did learn to swim classes in people's backyards. Really? And uh, we got a van from a church and took kids ice skating. And, and uh, so and did a lot of different programs using some of the great churches that were in town and that. So it, it really started a... Uh, you don't always need money. I've been on both sides of the ledger. Mm. A little different here in the last few years of Grand Prairie <laughs> right. when David and I worked together. Right. But uh, it doesn't always take money to change lives. And, and uh, that's what I'm, people know me with Parks and Recreation. And I just think we change lives. And that's what is so rewarding personally for me. What made you even think to go ask people? Like, what, what even gave you that idea that you thought that people would say yes to something like that? I, who knows, because I'm a crazy guy. Have you, you know, always thought outside well, of the box well, like that? No, <laughs> but you know what? What well, I think the reason was I grew up in a rec center. Mm. Uh, one of the uh, one of uh, David's good friends and mine, Danny Boykin, who's a long time superintendent of recreation here in Grand Prairie, lifetime, uh, lifetime young man who uh, I just feel a lot of. Danny and I had very similar backgrounds. Mm -hmm. I grew up in the Farmer's Branch. He grew up in Grand Prairie, but we grew up in the rec centers. Mm. And uh, so we were a part of that lifestyle our whole life. And uh, the, it just so happened that the superintendent of the rec center I grew up in, uh, he kept going up the ladder and ended up being deputy city manager of Farmer's Branch. And his assistant had a great career, went over, moved to Cedar Hill. We made acquaintances about four years ago again because he was a marshal at Tangle Ridge. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I gave him, I had him come up. Uh, he just recently passed away from cancer. Oh, but I had him come up to the office and I had a private lunch with him and gave him one of the gold medals because he was such an influence in my life growing up. Mm. So by the time I was 14 and I played all the sports, uh, especially loved baseball, and they had me coaching kids at seven and eight years old when I was 14 years old. So it just was my whole life, you know, growing up that way. Right. So, so going back to a little bit, because you went to um, a little known university. Yes. <laughs> UNT. To some people. <laughs> so you, you did go to UNT and you have a really huge love for that school. Correct? Yes, and I that's do. that's continued on. You, it is. You know, um, so how was your experience there? Did you, what did you do while you were in? Did you have anything to do with recreation well, there? Well, your dad and any any listeners of our age or beyond will understand what I'm about to say. <laughs> when we were kids, 
KLIF Radio was the radio station. It was 1190. Gordon McClendon, he did things in radio that are now known across the world. And I could go on for an hour on Gordon McClendon. So when I went to North Texas, I wanted to be a sportscaster. Oh. Because you'll find this. Danny's the same way. We didn't think of Parks and Recreation as a career back then. Right. So... There was a job one day, I'm, I'm just a little freshman at North Texas, and there's a job one day for a kind of a, a gopher at, at KLIF. So, I mean, that was my, I just always listened to KLIF. So I drove down to the studio, which was downtown, kind of at the triangle there at Commerce and that, and uh, told them why I was there, filled the application out, and sat outside the general manager's office basically all day long and finally he left and he says sir can i ask you why you're doing here and i said well i'm here for the job and he said anyone that would wait all day long you've got the job and uh, and in true radio fashion six months later i'm doing sports for klif really and it was just a thrill and it was uh, something that uh, my last boss was Mike Snyder, who went on to Channel 5, yes, uh, Channel yes. 5 television. But at the same time, the McClendons had already, they, they did no longer own KLF, but they owned their FM station, which at one time was the most listened to station in the Dallas market called K-News, K-N-U-S. Mm. Well, Mike went to K-News, brought me to K-News, and... Uh, uh, I stayed there for two years, and, and they brought Mike Selden back, who David will remember, one of the legendary. And I'm meeting all these heroes in my youth. And uh, so one day I'm going up the elevator. The KNUS was in the Majestic Theater that Gordon McClendon owned in the upstairs. And at one time, KNUS was in a 10 by 10 office in KLIF when they started the station. And it had a 50% listening audience in Dallas at Fort Worth. It was the first FM station. Incredible story. Wow. There. So who walks on the elevator but Gordon McClendon? Oh. And it was the first time I met him. And he looked at me and he goes, big boy, you're strong enough to use the stairs. And that was my, <laughs> that was my, first, my first impression from, from uh, that. So... Uh, I'll cherish my radio days. I have millions of stories. <laughs> I need to document them. They're a lot of fun. But uh, as it went on, they the McClendons also sold KNUS, and they went to an all-disco format. So they didn't do any <laughs> sports or news. And I went back to North Texas and was just thumbing through the catalog and came across Parks and Recreation. Mm. And I thought, oh, my gosh. And the rest is history. Before you leave KLIF, let me throw out a couple names, see if they ring a bell. Ken and Granny? Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. Uh, Royal Order of the Night People? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Cousin Lenny, yeah. right? Ron Chapman? Ron Chapman, yes. Oh, and we, I got to work like with Ron Irving, Chapman. Irving and Harrigan or something. Uh, like yes, show, right? he was. That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's a great website called The History of KLIF. And it's interesting that you'd enjoy it. Yeah. And they've done a nice job documenting it because Top 40 Radio, that all started in Dallas, Texas at KLIF, where they played the top songs every hour that were the hit songs at the time. 
They did so many incredible Kenny things. Granny came and put on a deal at the Uptown Theater. Oh, night, is that right? One night, and <laughs> I remember going to that thing. I was like in middle school or maybe early high school at the time, and I don't know if people thought that Granny was a real person or not, but when he got Ken got up there and told them that Granny was sick and couldn't come, they booed him out of the place. <laughs> 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 they expected to have this old lady sitting there, but anyway, that was, yeah, it was that, 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 teenagers hung around that, that, that Oh, station. God. The Mighty 1190. Well, the Mighty 1190. Yeah. Hey, I got to tell you, because this is, there's so many cute stories. Gordon McClendon was a promotional genius. One of his things was to have a treasure hunt. And they went and buried something in Dallas. I don't know if it was $10,000, but it was a lot of money. And people were, they would give clues. People were digging up the whole city of (laughs) Dallas, and they finally had to stop it. And then there was an old stadium, and David may have played football there, PC Cobb Stadium. But uh, 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 it used to be right there off 35 downtown. Yeah, yeah, not far from Baby Dose. So they had a helicopter dropping cash. And it was just a, it was just people running in and knocking down everybody. And uh, but in true Gordon sense, he uh, he got national publicity. So I think I learned some things from. From uh, the wild stuff, kind of from uh, the, the McClendon family. I don't know how many they actually did that around the country, but you remember the movie Bull Durham? They did that stunt where they had a helicopter come in and drop money. I don't think, wonder if they got that from him. I bet they did. Maybe I they bet did. they did. did. Well, funnily enough, main event that just got built just had a scavenger hunt. Oh yeah. They it was oh, exactly, did they? yes, and so whoever found, I think it was like whoever found the thing got like a year's worth of entrance into the place or whatever. And people were still going crazy to go. And and now you have social media. So you're like, oh, I'm over here. And now I'm yeah, over there. So much different now. It yeah, is. so much easier. Yeah. yeah. So that's that, what a great example of like how to promote things in different kinds of ways. And having seen what you've done here, it makes total sense that that would have been the baseline <laughs> for like how you started. Oh, man. that I would love to sit here and just listen to those. Uh, it's just stories of the radio. Uh, oh. So after you left UNT... That you went to the colony, and that was your first job outside well, of that? This kind of goes back to the North Texas and my relationship with North Texas. They, uh, the uh, head, one of the heads of the recreation department ended up being a neighbor of Tom Hart's. Tom Hart was going mm-hmm. to North Texas at the time also. And Did y'all know each other back then? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. All right. And uh, anyway, Tom had just got a job in the colony, and he was doc, uh, talking to Dr. Etchison, Chris Etchington was his name, and uh, he said, you know, we need to do something in summertime. And, and uh, Dr. Edgington said, well, why don't you hire us, the university, to just program summer program activities? Mm. And uh, so Tom liked that idea. They did that. Uh, so most of the people who applied were grad students. I was still an undergrad student, and uh, but was fortunate enough to get chosen. And uh, so I stayed in the colony. Things went so well that year that they put it in the budget, and uh, I stayed there for a few years. Mr. Hart ended up uh, leaving. Uh, so I worked for another uh, great gentleman who became the uh, worked for Dallas County for many years, Dan Savage, and uh, so uh, then after about three years there, 
I had a chance to go back and get my grip, uh, master's degree at North Texas mm-hmm. and, uh, be an, and, and pay for all that with being an adjunct professor there. And so uh, I enjoyed that a whole bunch. And uh, so that's where the relationship's so strong with the university Mm. from those things. Mm -hmm. And at the time that we were at, when I was at North Texas, almost all of those professors at that time became legendary in the field Mm. uh, and moved on and and are all authors. And and, uh, so I was there just at a great time for that, too. So when did you graduate? from UNT. I did my undergrad and I graduated in 84 and my my uh, graduate in 86. Okay. So, um I think I was talking to Dr. Alexander. He was talking about um somebody in his like in his wife's family was related to Mean Joe Green or they were good friends or something. Um and so it just the second he said that it made me think of you cuz <laughs> when I think of you, I think of Either Parks and Rec or I think of UNT because I see so because we're friends on Facebook so I see all that. Um, so when you went to um, like a larger city, was it a little bit of a different scenario than having to kind of create a Parks and Rec from scratch than to go to a different type of city? I uh, I grew up in Farmers Branch and you know the rest uh, we didn't tend to go. I mean, I don't know how many times I was even in Euless. I knew nothing about Euless. Mm. And uh, I did not go as a director. I went as a superintendent of recreation and uh, became the director in 18 months. But uh, it, was, uh, it was another whirlwind time of excitement and fun. And, and uh, Julia Wakely, who was a the director there, uh, very inspirational uh, uh, leader went to North Texas, never had graduated, and I think she was in her late 60s when I was still there. And she said, I want to graduate. And mm. she went back and did her last year. They put her in grad classes because she had been a director there for so long. And uh, we just uh, did some crazy things, and uh, uh, it was a a town didn't have a lot of money at the time either. Mm-hmm. So again, we were still having to be pretty original. We did build the first, uh, we did build a rec center there that uh, I'm real proud of and and uh, some really nice parks. But uh, uh, my time in Euless was cherished there. Uh, in fact, I didn't want to leave Euless. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Hart offered me he was here a couple of years and called me and offered me a, the deputy city manager job. And I said, yes. And he, uh, he never lets me forget this story. <laughs> so the day before I'm to leave Euless, I walked in my boss at Euless, who were good friends, the city manager then, uh, who since retired, Joe Henning. And I said, Joe, I've decided I don't want to leave. I said, Parks and Recreation is just my life. I just love it too mm. much. He said, well, big boy, you better go tell Mr. Hart. <laughs> so uh, w- the two weeks before, Tom had given me a Grand Prairie satchel, a really nice thing. <laughs> so I took that back and told him, he said, give me the damn satchel back. <laughs> and uh, I never, ever got that satchel back. So uh, anyway, about 18 months, two years later, his director, uh, someone I respected so much, Mark Inetton. Mark got a great job in Chandler, Arizona. Mm. So the director's job opened up. 
So he called me over to the racetrack one day. Mm. So I, I'm out at, uh, at Lone Star Park uh, and, uh, in, in a suite there, and my, my boss from Euless called me. And so I walked inside, and Tom was banging on the glass saying, come outside, come outside. I went outside, and on the Diamond Vision at Lone Star Park, it said, Rick, how about a job in Grand Prairie? Oh, so, wow. <laughs> so that was so I decided to, to, to make the plunge and come Kind of like wedding proposal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a little bit over the top, yeah. <laughs> Today's nonprofit spotlight is on the Nicholas Foundation. This organization is named for a young man named David Nicholas, who got into an accident and was on the organ donor list. The foundation's founder, Rodney DeBond, was on the organ donation list, awaiting a new heart. Through a chance meeting of relatives of one another, the Nicholas family made one of the first directives in organ donation and asked for Rodney to have David's heart. And in 1993, that's exactly what happened. Rodney saw a need for families awaiting organ donation. When they are on the list and they're called, the organ could be in one state and they could be in another. So transportation to the nearest hospital could be costly and take too long. In 1995, Rodney built the landings at Carrier Parkway and now has 10 fully furnished apartments that are available completely free for families to stay while they are awaiting their organ donation. This organization also raises awareness about organ donation and provides scholarships to high school seniors. If you'd like to learn more about organ donation or to support the foundation, visit their website at nicholasfoundation.org. That's N-I-C-K-L-A-S foundation.org. When you, you'd mentioned that starting a, a, to do work with a, um, with the Parks and Rec that doesn't have a whole lot of money. How do you get interest in trying to get into the program to get people interested to get the money? Because it kind of seems like you have to do the fun stuff that people buy into to kind of get it growing. So what are some ways that you would do that? Well, again, and I turn to your dad, David, I think the one thing you have to do is you got to earn trust and you got to know every, let every single person know that they're important to the program and to what they want. Mm -hmm. My very first day, and I said this at my retirement because I'll never forget it. My very first day, uh, my assistant came in and said, Rick, you have a, a, an appointment tonight at, uh, in Dalworth. And I said, what the heck's Dalworth? I didn't, you know, I knew mm. nothing about Grand Prairie basically at all. Right, right. And uh, so I went into the old, uh, Charlie Taylor Rec Center, which was, you know, had seen much, much better days. Mm -hmm. And it was a large group of people uh, led by a good friend of, of David and I, Sally Moore. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, they didn't know who I was. And, uh, you know, they had felt that they hadn't been listened to. Mm -hmm. And we just struck up a, a, a conversation that night uh, that uh, slowly earned their trust. And uh, we all, our park board and us, all fought together. And yeah, that was a great facility opening for me because it goes back to my first day when that opened. Mm. And uh, it, it's changed so many lives there. So 
my thing has always been, and, and Rev Run is going to probably find me for using two of his great quotes all the time, <laughs> but it takes a team to deliver a dream, and teamwork makes dreams work, mm -hmm. both by Rev Run. And I truly believe that. I think every single person, if you are a part-time custodian on our staff or or, or you are, you know, uh, the manager, of, uh, assistant director of finance, or whatever. Uh, we all have a we all have an important role. And the one thing that Daddy used to make fun of me, we'd get in these situations where we would have conflict, and I would go, which I'm crossing my hands, uh, <laughs> podcast listeners, I'm crossing my hands. <laughs> And, and maybe at times too much, but uh, that was just something that I, I believed in. You try to find something that unifies, uh, unifies. You know, people want nice things. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this building, really interesting, the summit that we're in today, uh, Miss Ruthie and, and uh, Mayor, Jens, uh, Mayor England at the time, uh, you know, they wanted a building and uh, for, for the 55 and over. And, uh, you know, working with the park board, we really wanted to make it special. Mm -hmm. Grand Prairie deserves something very, very special. Mm -hmm. And I'm proud that this building's been open 10 years, and in my opinion, it's never been copied anywhere in the country yet. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's been over 150 cities that have came and visited this facility. Wow. But more importantly, as you go by and see the cars and the lives that it changed. And so, uh, but it all takes, it took many meetings uh, with lots of people and getting everyone on board with a single vision and uh, the teamwork uh, just shows what can happen here. That's a good, that's a very good point. I think that a lot of people Probably, if you've never been a part of this, which I have not personally been on a board, I was on I was on a commission. I just wasn't on a commission like the park board where you're trying to literally build buildings and things like that. It takes a tremendous amount of time, and it starts with a lot of planning and a lot of you know in, intentional direction. So when did like what year would you say when when you think about the summit specifically, did y'all really start discussing it to try to put it together? I remember, I could tell you how it all got brought up mm -hmm. because it's one of those stories that I'll always remember. We're in a budget retreat. Budget retreat is the city council, the city manager's office, and some of the key directors. Mm -hmm. And they're going through next year's budget and making changes in that. And before the last break of the afternoon, Miss Ruthie comes up to me and she goes, Rick, I just want to let you know this is not aimed at you, but I'm going to bring up your department. And I said, well, thank you, Miss Ruthie. So she gets up there and she goes, uh, Mayor uh, says, any final comments, Mayor England? And uh, she goes, yes. Uh, Mayor, how much do we spend on animals in this town? And they went through the papers and told her. She goes, how much do we spend on seniors in this town? Mm. And uh, she goes, we need a facility. And Mayor England looked and he goes, well, let's build a facility. And then the whole council agreed to it. But uh, that's exactly how it started. So we went pretty quick after that. We did need to pass a, a ASIN sales tax. Uh, and the citizens have always been gracious 
when you look at all of these facilities mm-hmm. in in town, happened before Rick Harold got here. Uh, about a year and a half, they passed the quarter cent sales tax forever for parks and recreation. So you would say, hey, we passed the quarter cent sales tax forever for parks and recreation. Uh, Y'all sure don't need anything else. Well, there was so much need in all the parks that that money just wasn't going to go as far Mm -hmm. as they had hoped. So they passed for another ASAN to build this building uh, and uh, minor league baseball stadium at the same time. And then uh, Epic and uh, the Epic the same way. But uh, so the citizens, uh, again, before we could, you know, trusting government coming together as one, all those great older leaders of the community, uh, and Mark I. Denton working with them. And uh, that's what's led to, I think, uh, one of the most envious cities in the Metroplex mm-hmm. when it comes to facilities. And we all know that it's just, uh, I hated to leave because it's still just beginning. Right. You know, we just are just going to be another stage setter for what the great future is going to be in this town. Right. And the, and the nation has, has taken notice with winning two of our uh, NRPA, which is National Recreation and Park Association gold medals, uh, and in 2022 the city will be. Uh, can, you can only enter every five years, and I I told the staff I'll be upset if I don't see a third in 2022. <laughs> I bet it was pretty pretty hard for you to make that decision to retire. You know, because the, the thing about it is, is this town has had a lot of, mo- like, a lot of um, uh, momentum in the Parks and Rec Department for a long time. I mean, it's it's been growing and growing and growing. And so to kind of uh, retire at that point, but you still live here. You still live in town. I sure do. Yep. And so do you still well, get, and you get to take advantage of the facilities that you work so hard to build. Well, I'm glad you you brought that up because I want to give some advice. Okay. Because I think this could happen in life. And I will gladly listen. I was in no way wanting to retire when I retired. Mm -hmm. No way. I expected to be late 60s to retire. But I did something that I want to tell people to do to consider and that is not falling too much in love in what your profession is because I was not a f- user of facilities I was a part of a team who created facilities and with that uh, you know my health was poor my weight was way too much and I kept playing personal toll from because I loved it. Yeah. I didn't mind it was seven days a week. I didn't mind it was evenings. I just loved it. But I loved it a little too much from that standpoint, mm. from a holistic life standpoint. So I've given a lot, I gave a lot of stuff up for that. That's why J Lo at the Super Bowl was telling her, <laughs> I saw a little thing, I'd heard Alex Rodriguez. <laughs> and J Lo goes, Well, it's our act too. And I said, oh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> that, that doesn't mean I'm going to go into some career doing something, but it just means the changing those things. So your dad and I have never played golf before because my knees have been shot for years. Mm. Now, I love to tell you my knees got shot playing football, 
or playing baseball <laughs> or playing basketball, which I really loved. They didn't. They got uh, wore out from carrying another 100 pounds I should have been carrying. Mm. So uh, it's kind of a dichotomy. And the one person who's my professional uh, mentor, if you will, is Dr. John Crompton at Texas A&M University. He is the world's leading expert on parks and recreation. Mm. And we became friends a long time ago. Here I'm a North Texas kid, and he's an Aggie. But... Uh, uh, he had heard me do a presentation. He said, Rick, that was a wonderful presentation. But one thing he, I want to tell you, he says, you're an embarrassment of the profession. Mm. And uh, a lot of people would never, ever tell you that. But it, 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 it stuck with me. We're great friends today. Crossing our fingers, I'll be teaching at A&M come fall of 2020. Wow. So uh, North Texas has kind of changed their their thing to professional sports management, which I think is a mistake, but I don't think they care. <laughs> they think it's a mistake. But uh, uh, anyway, so, uh, you know, make sure you have a holistic lifestyle to do all the things. So I love to go out and say, you know, one of the great things that I don't think people do is show outcomes and, and uh I think us, us being the, the staff in the park board, we made a concentrated effort to show legitimate, uh, documented outcomes. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, we have a series of films I'm really, really proud of. And, and one of those is the Summit Success Stories. Because we knew that the summit was going to touch lives. We didn't know how many lives in many different areas it's just not physically it's emotionally and psychologically it's it's even spiritually uh and and uh, so we have those people on tape what it's done to them and uh, uh that's what uh that's why i'm so pumped about the profession and what we can do and play a role in the town. Yeah, when um, so my dad and I got here and we walked in. Well, I walked in. I know you said something about it after we got here, and it was packed in here. It was it was totally and completely there. It was people everywhere, and Michelle, who is the rental coordinator, she we asked her what it was for, and she said, "Well, uh, these are people from surrounding retirement communities. They get bussed in, and we do lunch for them during the week." kind of the Meals on Wheels, but instead of it going to them, they come here, they get to be a part of the facility, and then they take the bus back to wherever they come from. That's a big deal. You know, when you're a senior that is living in, you've, you've now gone into your act too, you're changing, not you personally, but as a senior citizen that is now going into a different type of community to be able to go somewhere every day that is a beautiful building, that is really nice. I mean, this is nice in here to be able to see the beautiful outside and then to be able to eat lunch in a different place, you know, with your friends and be able to make it something that you get to go out of your house and do. That's a big deal because so many senior citizens can end up being lonely. They can sit inside their house. They become, you know, isolated. And to see everybody out here, and, and, and not only that, playing different kinds of sports and swimming in, the, swimming in the pools and doing pottery classes and, you know, doing all that stuff, that's really important. And um, I'm glad that Miss Ruthie, you know, had the vision of we need to treat our senior citizens with respect and, and give them those things. And um, 
that that in and of itself, just this building alone would be enough reason to go, look what this, this is an amazing outcome. But then you look across the way and you see Epic and then you look across the way, you see Epic Waters and all those different places and people utilizing the things that you've done. I mean, we went to the Playground Adventures, my daughter and I, it was packed solid with kids That's and awesome. and she loved it she didn't want to leave because there's it's not just a regular playground there's there's so many things in that playground for kids to do for all kids to do and um it's really is a tremendous testimony to like what your heart is and what you were able to get people to come together in a city to accomplish as a team that's not something every city has and i think that that's just it's 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 tremendously special to watch it really is the, uh, the, the, the leaders of the community. I, mayor Jensen, when Mayor Jensen became mayor, mm -hmm. he really went on a limb in his very first state of the city, and he goes, I want a major rec center for the rest of the people, mm -hmm. and I want a water park like mm -hmm. we used to have. Uh, and uh, all you heard was Rick gulping. <laughs> <laughs> and you know he, it was very emotional. Uh, the crowd loved it that night. He led the charge to sell the bond issue for it, and uh, I think that uh, I'm sure there's things in the epic that people will change. I know some things they already have, but. Uh, you know, when, that's where us and the staff and the park board got together and we said, you know, we can build a water park. There's a lot of water parks around, but those water parks are open for 90 days. Right. Uh, and uh, we went uh, and actually out of J. Vermont, J. Peak Vermont came up with the system to do Epic Waters and make that a year-round facility and uh, uh, then the epic, and it was a funny story out of the epic. One of the, one of the battles that I had to fight was, we don't need any water in the epic. You got epic waters. But mm. what we don't have in the epic is we don't have lap swimming. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have fitness swimming. And for little kids, we still have an area over there too. So uh, it, 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 it was funny, but... I do think, and, and before we started this, uh, David and I were talking, I, I think that what you're about to see in this p facility, Epic Central, it's changed names about four times, by the way, <laughs> this part. We were going through money changing names every month, it seems like. It was, I, it was Veterans Park at one time when I got here. It was uh, Central Park. It yes. was Grand Central Park, mm -hmm. and now it's Epic Central, and uh, it's going to be incredible. A mm -hmm. conference center, hotels, restaurants like you would never, ever thought would be in our community, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, some other recreational activities. So uh, it's, just, uh, it's just wonderful for the citizens of this town. I think there's a lot of pride. I think mm -hmm. they take a lot of pride in it. And uh, yeah, the other thing here that was important, and I want to go back to Mayor England, who threw me out of a council meeting one time when we were when we were talking Please about tell that story. when we were talking <laughs> true story, we were finalizing fees, and the park board and us came to an agreement. David, I don't know if you remember, but it was ninety nine dollars a year is what our fee was. 
So Danny Boykin and I went and presented that to the council in their briefing session. And the mayor took his hand and said, you have lost the knowledge of this community, Rick. <laughs> and uh, so it became 50 bucks. So, uh, but you know what? That was, you know, that there was something to be said for that. And yes, I, I, I know that there's a, uh, members who might pull up in a, a Mercedes or whatever, mm -hmm. but uh, I do think it's it's been something that uh, and there's always scholarships for people who who can't afford to pay. But uh, it, that was a very funny story at the time. Purchasing a home can be a very overwhelming and confusing experience, especially if you're a new home buyer. With all the options for mortgage lenders that are out there today, how do you know which one is going to work best for you? Bancorp South and Grand Prairie is not only a bank, but is also a mortgage lender, and they're here to help you with that new home purchase. A little known fact about mortgages is that not all of them are built the same. Even in an FHA loan, there are a variety of products that a lender can choose from that fit that buyer's needs and requirements to get them into the house that's right for them. At Bancorp South, they have a wide variety of products and they just released several new programs to help that buyer with down payment and closing costs. These programs are not just for first time home buyers, but for all buyers who qualify. If you'd like to speak with a mortgage lender who will take amazing care of you, and I mean amazing, I've worked with her for a long time, and she will help you through the entire purchase process, call Cynthia Gossett with Bancorp South at 214-598-1542 and tell her that Jenna sent you. One of the things that um, I just thought about was with you being someone that wasn't that didn't grow up in Grand Prairie, you kind of came into this community as an adult, and I grew up in Grand Prairie, so it's it's just the community mindset of Grand Prairie, the pride in Grand Prairie has always been something ingrained in me. But you mentioned a lot of people. You mentioned Ruthie. You mentioned Mayor England. You mentioned Mayor Ron Jensen. Those are people that have been ingrained in this community for a very long time. So when you came into it. What did you find interesting about the culture of the town? Because you said you met Sally Moore, and that was something that you did. So how was Grand Prairie different for you? Like, or was it different as far as like a, you know, how the, how the community worked together? It was really very similar to my time in Euless. Really? And, and the first person that, which I think had the same value system. I think the towns really have the same value systems. Uh, and that was a system that I grew up with in Farmer's Branch, which mm -hmm. was basically Farmer's Branch at the time was just a, a upcoming blue collar, another Fox and Jacobs type of community mm -hmm. at the time. But uh, how I got really ingrained in the community was uh, Wayne Hanks, who uh, mm -hmm. the mayor used to work for and, and uh, has since bought his company. Uh, Wayne Hanks uh, worked diligently to get the Breeders' Cup to come to Grand Prairie. And uh, in fact, he worked so hard that they finally said, we're going to Grand Prairie just to get Wayne Hanks off of our you-know-whats. <laughs> and uh, I was lucky enough to be appointed the co-chair of the host committee with uh, Park Board Chair and B.J. Nichols. And I learned a lot from Wayne uh, 
about the history of the community mm-hmm. and his love for the community. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Doug Beek, who was a former employee at the time, I was really fortunate that you don't have in life very much is that I still was around a lot of the founding fathers mm-hmm. and mothers of the, of the community, but also had a workforce of Ron Neely, Danny Boykin, uh, Doug Beek, who had 25 year history of the, of, of the department. Mm-hmm. And so they had no money. Those are heroes to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it made it really easy to blend into the community. Mm-hmm. My very first day, Ron and Danny, I'm sitting there behind the desk saying, what in the hell have I got into? <laughs> Is it too late to go back to Eula? And they took me to Edelman's Barbecue. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, Miss Edelman uh, t- just took a liking to me from day one. And then uh, the next day they came in and says, we're going to go. And they took me to Candlelight to, to eat on my second day. And that's a story between all three of us. But uh, I just uh, being around those people and around the community and watching the love of the love of people and and getting to work a little bit with the Breeders' Cup with Randy Galloway and and it just uh, I was just very fortunate at the right time and my hope for the community is in Parks and Rec and I I just love the the staff that's there now and uh, Dwayne Strawn and and uh, uh, Gary Yakish and, and the entire staff. Uh, but is not to forget. I, 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 one of my other things I say is you can't build a great future mm. without honoring, respecting, and learning from the past. Very true. And I have always been lucky, fortunate to have been loved and counseled by founding fathers, both at Euless and in Grand Prairie, mm-hmm. and that, that, made, that made an incredible difference in my life. Man, it sure, it sure did. It, it does, and you're absolutely right. Um, one of the things <clears throat> that, um, since, since you were a director of parks, uh, the Park Board, and, uh, well, Parks and Recreation, the Park Board is a different scenario, is a different entity. One of the things I wanted to mention is that's how citizens can get involved in the local community is there's a variety of commissions and boards that you can be appointed to, which is how, um, which is what my dad started to do. He was appointed to the park board and that's how you guys got to work together. So um, how, and, and park board is one of those that I think is one of the coveted places where citizens love to work because you get to do a really, a lot of really yeah. fun stuff. Uh, fun. <laughs> I, uh, I was on it for what, eight or nine years. I had ball every time I went, everything that we did, yeah. trips or whatever, and going looking at things. But that, that, I would imagine that being able to work with a board of citizens that are not your employees, but are people that are volunteering their time, helps a lot as well. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I think it's mm-hmm. a, it's a bust. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, it was, you know, you, David, I mean, uh, David and, and uh, we had a lot of educators. And it was important for me to get involved with the school system. And I think they were another, I haven't talked about the school system, but they were a great partner with us all the way through mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. especially at Playground. So right. uh, uh, no question. And they're appointed by the council. 
So, uh, you know, each are, I don't want to use the watchdog, but each can report back to the council. Mm -hmm. I think we made a concentrated effort to have, uh, and I did this in Ulysses. This was one little thing. I thought that uh, to, to let park board members uh, give monthly updates or reviews of things that were of interest to them. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, and we had spats. Oh my gosh, we had spats. <laughs> but uh, we all had a common goal. Yeah. Well, I only remember one, I'm not going to go into the details of what the, <laughs> only one tense board meeting and involved some community members and so on about an issue that was up at the time. You know, probably know, where, I know, what you know where I'm going with that. And there were some, uh, having been a career in education, I dealt with a lot of school boards and, and tense situations. <laughs> and I don't remember who I was sitting by, but somebody really on the board got really nervous about how, you know, things were going. <laughs> They said, man, this is really a tense. I said, no, you haven't seen tense until you've been in a board meeting until like 530 in the morning, you know, one of those days. I said, this is this is not that tense, but it's all a matter of perspective. But, it, you know, it all worked out and everything was fine. But uh, other than that, it was it was uh, just a great time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when BJ approached me about going on the board, he said, man, you'd love it. He said, you know, you're treated like a million bucks. You get to have input and you know this mm -hmm. sort of thing and, and I said well okay you know sounds like a sounds mm -hmm. like a plan and I can attest you know before we run out of time I just want to attest to one of something that Rick said earlier about recognizing people and it must be something in the water up in Denton with the professors <laughs> <laughs> because as you may remember I got my master's in administration <laughs> in North Texas and I cannot remember the, the professor's name he was the next superintendent um, uh, and he was kind of a cranky guy. I can't even remember what <laughs> class it was. And I, I can't. I cannot remember his name right off the top of my head. But I do remember what he said, and I took it with me, you know, as I went into administration. And that is, don't ever, ever, ever look down on anybody that works for mm. for this, you know, for your school or whatever. It's because. The custodians who clean the floors have pride in what they're doing. The mm -hmm. cafeteria ladies have pride in what they're doing. Your, your, your secretaries, that's their job, and they take pride in what they're doing. And if you want to lose something real quick, start looking at them as, well, you're, you know, we're here and you're there kind of thing mm -hmm. because they can make or break you. And besides the fact that the, it's just the way to treat people. Mm -hmm. And so when we went on the board, every month there was an employee of the month, and uh, we had not employees of the year and we had all kinds yeah. of recognition of people who uh, who had a job working in maintenance maybe uh, mm -hmm. I don't know doing whatever or they did <coughs> did volunteered we had volunteers of the month and and everybody was given a you know recognition mm -hmm. which I think is one of the greatest things that, that you and, and you know you, you employed that and, and I know you weren't by yourself with that but you spearheaded it and you could see, that I would sit back and watch them get their awards and things, and I had an opportunity if BJ wasn't there. I, was, mm -hmm. I, was, I filled in for him a few times uh, presenting that award. You could see it in their face. Right. They're recognizing me. You know, all I do is this. No, that's not true. You keep this thing going. Right. And I think that's the most important thing, you know, one of the most important things that I think, you know, that you emphasized and kept working. And like I said, it must run in the water up there because that's, <laughs> that's, that's so funny. I had really heard, had really heard that. And, right. uh, 
it was it, it was all it was all very true and, mm -hmm. and I hope they're still doing that I haven't they are they are they I look at the I look at the the agendas and the, they they are still doing that and you know Parks and Rec is interesting and follow, following through with what what David said is that I believe the expression in our national organization started years ago and went away with it not they should have it starts in parks you know we do a lot of great events you know but who are the people that have to set up for the events, mm -hmm. clean up after the events, and still maintain the parks and the athletic fields and all that? And I, I, I have, I've, I was a parks uh, superintendent in Euless for for a, a year too before I became director, and it was one of my greatest loves is meeting those people that that have that big heart to, you know, big heart to do that. Well, but, I didn't, uh, you know, I think about in Grand Prairie, you think about Dwayne and Danny and May and all these people. I mean, the Prairie Lights doesn't just happen. Oh. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, things happen because Crazy. People, people have to work hard and they have to care about mm -hmm. what they're doing. And that's, I think, that's that spills over into the amount of volunteers mm -hmm. that, that come to work, that, that, that come to work there. And it, it spread to the board, too, because they did, you know, they always made us feel more important than what we were. But, I mean, we had... You know, we'd have a Christmas dinner, and we'd have mm -hmm. get a T-shirt, and we'd have this, or mm -hmm. come to this event. And you know, they. I, I remember that when I first got on the board, one of the first things that happened was, and I didn't know Rick that well. They had me over at Air Hogs. They want to come over here and throw T-shirts out to the crowd, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> and you know, I'm, Rick's doing the play-by-play -play in the PA, and there's David Pigord on there throwing <laughs> shirts. You know? I, I remember that. And that kind of stuff <laughs> sticks with you, so I know you're running short on time, but I, just, I wanted to emphasize that because that I think that's what makes this whole thing clear. Well, and I think that, it, matter of fact, I was going to, my last question I was going to ask, because we have just about 10 more minutes left, but like one of the last questions I was going to ask you is about the relationships that you form with people because from what it sounds like, the relationships that you've had in your life have been lifelong. I mean, once you create a relationship, it lasts for forever. And um, I don't know if that's just your personality or or what, but it has led to a great deal of success. And when you're a person that can do that, and when you can create that relationship with whomever it is, that's how things get done, you know? And when you're able to be a person that is known for being a hard worker and being a person that recognizes others and you know is kind and you know fervent in their beliefs but also can be flexible and adaptable that's how you create relationships and that's how you're able to get things done in city government especially or any business really but um you know do you think that the relationship your ability to create relationships is really what has led to your success in your career in your life <laughs> no yeah I, there there's no question about that uh i do think that's an absolute catalyst uh you know we had a great park board uh led by the chairman bj nichols and and they all had big hearts and uh everywhere i went uh we had great relationships. But you know, there's one thing that when I go speak, and I still, uh, I spoke at our national convention this year uh, on a little project called uh, the Epic. Uh, <laughs> right. Was, uh, I always like to tell, especially young professionals, uh, Mistakes, you know, I, I, you can always be someone who said, oh, yeah, I'll never forget what uh, there was an old 
the uh, director of Hearst had come in when I was at Ulysses, and I had lunch with him to welcome him to the area. And I said, oh my gosh, our, our pools are about to open. And uh, pools are, are booger bears. Uh, and he, oh, I've never had an issue with a lifeguard. I've never had all this stuff. Well, he was gone within 10 months. Uh, so I, I tell those stories. But uh, so I want to go ahead. I, I'll, you know, I haven't even talked to this. I did. I'm finishing up a book on this. But when I left on the 4th of January of last year, I uh, decided that I had to get away for a while. And mm -hmm. I went to the Keys for five months and went on some cruises and and. Uh, actually spent all the money that I, my final check was gone <laughs> like a dummy. And uh, I was at one in a great sense of depression for a year. Mm. I was not seen by anybody. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go do it. People thought I was mad. I wasn't mad. It was just such a dramatic change for right. me that I had a lot of trouble handling right, that. Right, right. And I call it the invisible demon because it's not something, uh, well, well, let me put it in perspective real quick. I know we're out of time, but Danny Boykin is, was our manager of recreation, grew up here. I can't say enough great things about it. Danny, right, we were kind of, retiring Danny actually was going to retire before I was and then I decided to to jump the gun on Dan but he's having some trouble with his leg no big deal right mm -hmm. well Danny goes and finds out and and Danny Boykin after spending his whole life in this profession and changing lives and doing anything that needed to be done Absolutely. uh he uh developed ALS mm. and uh you know I and he has bought a golf cart that he can be striped in and golf. I'm so proud of him. So all of our hearts go out for Danny because he's a beloved person in this community and always will be. Mm. But so my little thing is nothing like Danny, but that invisible demon can play a heck of a role on people too. So I ask him if they Completely get agree. Yes. You know, if they get in that situation to, to, to go and uh uh, you know, don't, uh, Bruce Springsteen has a movie out called Western Stars and you got to watch it. Mm. Trust I did, me. I did not know that he was Western in a movie. Western <laughs> Stars. No, it is, a, it is his last album that they made a movie out oh, of. Oh, gotcha. Okay. And it, I think it's phenomenal, but he has a line in there. If you, uh, fall in love with lonely, you, you, you end that same way. Mm. And uh, so it was a it was a tough time to rebound back, but finally there's some things happened in life that did that. So I just urge people if they ever get in that situation mm. to uh, to uh, try to find someone or something that could help them on. That. Yes, I think that's a great. I, I think that's a very good um, thing. I, I did estate sales for a while, and so I'm very used to seeing people transitioning from one part of their life to another when you're selling your house that you've lived in or when you're getting rid of your items that you've collected over your years there is a sense of loneliness depression um, loss you know all those things and it can be very difficult to get into that next part and where i said you know before the isolation is what'll do it you know it is you're sitting around and you don't know what to do and you don't know where to go next and you know it's 
it's it's interesting how you can spend your whole life being happy and joyful and then all of a sudden you get to that end and you don't know where to go next and you don't you know so i'm glad that you brought that up because i think that's a tremendously important lesson <laughs> you've said a lot of really tremendously important lessons that i'm taking with me uh that i needed to hear today personally but um so one more thing before we go what is your dog's name Scrappy. <laughs> Scrappy goes with you places, doesn't he? He does. And you know where the name Scrappy comes from? No. That's the mascot of the University of North Texas. So oh, that, that relationship, so, and he has a UNT collar on also. <laughs> He's a rescue animal from our animal adoption center, golden retriever. He's nothing but a big bundle of brown-eyed love. That oh, dog is man. special. The only problem was he, he dyed him green once and brought him to the <laughs> You did not. Are you serious? Uh, no, he, did come to work, he did come <laughs> he to work with me the last six months, and he would go from one office to the next office, and everyone had treats for him. Oh, and, my. Uh, so they miss him. He misses them as much as they missed him, I think. Did you take Scrappy on your last trip? That I, didn't, I could not find enough places to stay to take him, uh, and so he w I had him watched. But, okay. uh, I should have brought Bella movie. and... He should have brought Scrappy. They could have, yeah. they could have yeah. had a little play date. Oh, they'd have loved it. They'd have loved it. <laughs> well, Rick, I, thank you so much oh, for being here. It was so nice to have you. And I, I think we need to do a whole other one just about the <laughs> radio industry. It sounds so interesting. And thank you, Dad, for joining me. Yes. No problem. Good to see you. <laughs> thank you. All right. Thanks.